Awesome. Hey, welcome to church. We're glad to have you uh, in the house of God with us uh, this morning. Hey, one thing just to put on your radar uh, real briefly, tonight is our next Seattle preview service. It's happening at Cross and Crown Church right there in the University District. And uh, we are just anticipating another night in the presence and in the power of King Jesus. And uh, we are doing these monthly services up until the day that we launch weekly, which will happen here soon in Seattle. In fact, on this Wednesday, I will go in and sign paperwork and officially purchase our building. And so we're excited about that. And uh, we're just anticipating that God is going to continue to by his spirit, not only pour out here on the north end, but now also on the south end. And so we're gonna be there tonight, 6 p.m. Invite a friend, we would sure love to see you in the house of God with us for that special event. Man, God is doing something so significant in the region. It is not to our credit or glory, but to his credit and his glory. It is his kingdom that advances by force. It is the gates of hell, which cannot prevail against it. When the church of Jesus Christ gathers, it is the ecclesia of God, the government of God for the doing of governmental, spiritually speaking, business. And so just by virtue of you being here this morning, there are things being rearranged in unseen atmospheres. God is working on your life in ways that you can't even quantify or qualify. The God who does not sleep, nor does he slumber, whose right hand still stretches out to us today, the one who is faithful to finish what he started, the one whose promises are yes and amen, that God is working on your behalf today. In fact, the Bible says if his eye is on the sparrow, how much more is his eye and his hand on your life? And so we just know that there is nothing that escapes the God that we serve, that he has more than equipped us for the challenges that are ahead. And I'm just here to tell you, friends, you are in the right place at the right time, worshiping the right God, positioning yourself to experience the power of his presence. Obviously on this day, uh, not just our nation, but the nations of the earth remember the terrorist attacks on 9-11-2001. And one of the statements that you will hear over the course of today on news and social media is this tagline, never forget. And as I was seeing that coming up into this weekend and even this morning, I felt like the spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, I'm going to create never forget spiritual moments for my people in the Northwest by virtue of his goodness and his presence, he is gonna so mark people's lives, young and old alike, that we will have story after story after story of people who are saying, I can tell you right where I was standing. I can tell you right where I was sitting. I could tell you who else was in the room. I could recall it back to my memory. I was so marked by an encounter with the presence of God, I will simply never forget. And that is the challenge of the hour in which we live because we believe that we don't have a dead gospel, but instead a living gospel, not a dead hope, but instead a living hope. It is more than just words on a page. It is more than just theology on a paper for even as the apostle Paul said, I didn't come to you with fancy words, but a demonstration of God's power. And friend, we are just simply not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's the power of God unto salvation. There is no other name under heaven by which men must be saved outside the name of Jesus. They cannot be saved by good works. They cannot be saved by political persuasion. They cannot be saved by philosophical constructs. They cannot be saved by sociological insights. There is salvation. It is found in one name, and that man is Jesus Christ. And as the church of Jesus Christ gathers 
We lift high his name and watch what he does. He draws all people unto himself. God is in the business of building his church and the mountains still melt like wax. Diseases still disappear. Dysfunction is still turned around. Darkness still flees. For this reason, the son of God was made manifest to dismantle the works of darkness. And I'm telling you, there is a great dismantling happening now by God's spirit all across the Northwest. Is making the enemy nervous. It's given him a little panic. It's given him a little anxiety. He thought the Northwest was his. He thought the church was dead. No, we were sleeping, but we have woken up and the King of glory is here to do his best work, friend, in your life. And so as we gather, we are stones, living stones in the house of a living God. And we are worshiping him in both spirit and in truth. And by his great grace and his great mercy, he has so positioned us for such a time as this. And so I want you to be encouraged today and have great hope that the God that we serve is working and not just working, but fighting on your behalf. This morning, I'm going to share with you out of the book of Exodus. And in doing so, I want to look at the dialogue that God has with Moses as he makes covenant with his people at Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai is significant in Old Testament literature because it is the place by which God writes on stone tablets and hands them to Moses. The Bible says that the mountain was a scary place for the Hebrew children. It was filled with thunderings and lightnings, loud noises, dark smoke. They were afraid to touch it, but Moses received an invitation to go on up and he experienced the glory of God. And he talked to God as a man speaks to his friend. And not only does God write the Decalogue, the 10 commandments on tablets of stone, but he establishes covenant with Moses and by proxy, the entire Hebrew children. And in doing so, he promises to to perform on their behalf. And I want you to know that the Bible tells us in the New Testament that even when we are faithless to his covenant, he is faithful to his covenant. Why? Because God is not a man that he should lie. All of his promises, they are yes and they are amen. And it should be of great encouragement for you this morning that God's faithfulness is not a reflective of your performance or your obedience, but instead the great sacrifice of his son, Jesus, which means that God has bound himself to us in a covenantal way, and he refuses to not do what he has said he will do. And in Exodus 23, God is making covenant with maybe the most irritating group of three million people that has ever existed. All they do is complain and grumble. For four decades, they'll mess around in the desert while God tries to lead them to the promise. But when God makes a promise, he who was faithful to begin is faithful to finish and he is not done yet. And it should give you great confidence this morning that if God is willing to make covenant with a group of 3 million complainers in the wilderness, what is he willing to do on behalf of his church in the Northwest? And in Exodus 23, Moses records the words of God and God says this, starting in verse 20. See, I'm sending an angel ahead of you and he gonna guard you along the way. And he gonna bring you to the place I have prepared. And God is telling his people, I am sending my angel. He will guard you every step of the way and he will bring you into a place or a promise that I have prepared. See, theologians believe that this angel is what is known as a theophany, which is an Old Testament appearance of Jesus. 
How many of you know with our theology on the Trinity, we don't have three gods, we have one God. But he's made manifest in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are co-equal. They are co-eternal. They have never not existed. Jesus was not a lesser creation of the Father. Listen, don't buy into Mormon theology on how the Trinity works. That's the primary difference between Protestant Orthodox faith and some of the other heresies as it pertains to the nature of God. No, God has always been there, will always be there. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will remain. God is the great constant in our life and his son Jesus is the lamb who has been slain from the very foundations of the earth and there has not been a moment where each member of the Godhead has not been working on your behalf. No, you got a good God and he doesn't get as much credit as we deserve, as he deserves because so often we're bound up focusing on what he's not doing that we fail to recognize the significance of what he is doing. But God sends Jesus as an angel and he leads God's people. Watch, I love how the Father is sending the Son to guide his people before they even know who he is. See, the word send, when it's used in the New Testament, is the word apostolo. It's where we get the word apostolic. It means to be a sent one or to be sent on a defined mission by a superior. Watch how it's used in the New Testament, Matthew 10 and 40. Anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. Anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who apostoloed me, who sent me. Matthew 10 and 5, Jesus sent out the 12 disciples. He apostoloed them. John 17 and 3, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have apostoloed, who you have sent. See, before you knew Jesus, Jesus knew you. Before you followed him, he was sent to pursue you. Friend, you did not find Jesus, he found you. And his Holy Spirit, in fact, has been drawing you longer than you even know. Jesus has been sent ahead. He is already solving problems that you didn't know existed. He lining up resources you didn't know you needed. He's developing relationships that you didn't know were necessary because this is the type of God you have working on your behalf. Watch what, watch what the Bible says of Jesus. He is our high priest and our chief apostle. He is our elder brother and the bishop of our souls. He is the image of the invisible God, the king of Israel, the bright and morning star, the defender of the righteous, the good shepherd, and the Lamb of God. And this God right now in this very present moment is fine-tuning the details of your life because there is simply no place he will send you that his resource, his presence, or his power will not sustain you. Notice something here. God won't ever send his people on a journey that he isn't also willing to guard them along the way. God is telling Moses, I'm not just waiting for you at the finish line. I will fight for you as you run the race. And see, half the stuff God guards you from, you aren't even aware of. He'll take care of the critics. He'll take care of the naysayers. If you will just guard your heart, God will guard your journey so that when you get where you're going, you don't show up with damaged goods. You don't gotta be scared of that new relationship. Why? Because God is gonna guard your journey. 
You don't have to operate in fear and anxiety related to that new season of employment. Why? Because God is going to guard your journey. You don't got to be terrified of the unknown details of your future because you got a God who is watching your back, holding you up, strengthening your resolve, and restoring your hope. It's no wonder why Isaiah the prophet says, For you shall not go out with haste, nor go by flight. For the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. See, watch what God says. I'm bringing you to the place that I have prepared. A number of years ago, when the church was still in constant construction mode, I was doing premarital counseling with a couple and getting ready to perform their wedding. And if you have ever been to a wedding before, you know that generally a few days before the event, there is what is called the wedding rehearsal. And so we had scheduled the day, figured out when it was, and those were the early days of the church. I mean, every day was a construction day. We painted walls, we jackhammered floors, we fixed ceilings. I told people I got a PhD in YouTube construction for all the work that we did. <laughs> but every day I showed up to work, I had my steel toe boots. I had jeans that had been destroyed by painting, construction, debris, drywall. I had a shirt that was messy, raggedy. And I knew that the day of the wedding rehearsal was also just another opportunity for me to work at the church. And so I showed up at the wedding rehearsal in my clothes for construction. I'm standing out in front of the church waiting for the party to get there for the rehearsal to begin. And lo and behold, a limousine pulls up and out steps the groom in a tuxedo. And then another limousine pulls up and out steps the bride in, in a wedding dress. And that became a wedding I'll never forget, and they'll probably never forget either, but I'm looking at myself, just looking destroyed. I look at them, and I said, I thought this was the rehearsal. I said, Pastor, we decided to move it up. Today's the wedding. I... Well, you get what you get, and you don't throw a fit, so. But here's what I know. The feeling of showing up unprepared is one of the most anxiety-inducing events you could ever experience. I want you to know today there isn't one place you're going that God hasn't gone on ahead of you to prepare a place at the table for you to sit. Listen, I know life can be overwhelming. I know raising kids can be difficult. I know the process of sanctification can leave you feeling like you won't ever measure up or make it where you're going, but I can promise you this, the God who begun is faithful to finish and your place has already been prepared. Before you ever came to this church, God was making a place for you here. Is it always easy to get plugged in? No. Well, there'll be times where you'll be frustrated, certainly, but this church is a prepared place for families all across this region, and you are in the right place at the right time to see God do something special through your life. Watch what God says in verse 22. He says, if you listen carefully to what he says, and if you do all that I say, I will be the enemy to your enemies and will oppose those who oppose you. Listen, friend, here's the good news. You don't have to get even. You don't have to defend yourself. People will misunderstand you. They will lie about you. They will try to assassinate your character. Oh, I thought politics was rough and then I planted a church. 
The road of faith is filled with challenges, but you will wear yourself out trying to fight every battle and correct every record. Watch the promise of God. I will be the enemy to your enemies. I will oppose those who oppose you, which means, friend, they are not fighting you. They're fighting the God inside of you, and there is not one battle that he has ever lost. Moses declares in Exodus 15, the Lord is a man of war and Yahweh is his name. Watch what happens in verse 23. This is where it gets good. He said, my angel will go ahead of you and he will bring you into the land of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Watch, and I will wipe them out. Yeah, most of the time, we just fast forward through the names that we can't pronounce. But watch the brilliance of what is being communicated by God. You're going to love this. In the original language, Amorites mean those who talk against you. In the original language, Hittites mean those who operate in debilitating fear and deplete your strength. The Perizzites mean those who occupy your promise. The Canaanites mean those who attempt to burden you with a heavy load. The Hivites mean those who are of the serpent. And the Jebusites mean those who trample down and cause ruin and downfall. See, the promised land that God was giving Israel was occupied by at least six principalities and powers. And here is the promise of God. I will wipe them out. I will wipe out those who talk against you. I will wipe out those who deplete your strength. I will wipe out those who occupy your promise. I will wipe out those who burden you with a heavy load. I will wipe out those who are of the serpent. I will wipe out those who cause ruin and downfall because I am the God who fights on your behalf. See, hear what I found. The promise of God never comes without the problems of man. God gave you a family, now you gotta fight for it. God gave you a marriage, now you gotta fight for it. God gave you a property, now you gotta fight for it. God gave you the land, but there's some Amorites, some Hittites, some Canaanites, and others that simply have got to go. Watch what God does. God doesn't give you unoccupied land. He gives you a promise right in the middle of the enemy's camp. And God is giving you strength to dispossess the enemy's land. And with God at your side, you will wipe them out. As I was reading Exodus 23 this week, the Lord gave me a flashback about 20 years, 25 years to when I was just a young boy and I was unfortunately a part of a Shakespeare theater group. <laughs> and I pray every day that God in his graciousness and kindness would never allow those videos to get released. But <laughs> when you're just a weird 13 year old homeschooler, that's what you do, a Shakespeare theater group. And I remember we was doing one of these plays once, Julius Caesar, it was written by Shakespeare in 1599. And the title character of that play is a man named Mark Anthony. And I was playing that character in the play, so of course I had to memorize those lines. And isn't it funny how sometimes the things in the Rolodex of your mind, God will just cause you to bring back to memory in an opportune moment? And I remembered this speech that I had memorized as Mark Anthony is addressing the crowds. He says, friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. He says this, I came to bury Caesar, not to praise him. 
And I felt like the Lord was just reminding me time and time again, Russell, I have come to do damage to darkness, not to negotiate with it. We are not negotiating with the enemy for the land in the Northwest. We are not trying to develop a peace treaty like I won't bug you as long as you don't bug me. No, the kingdom of God is moving in. The kingdoms of the enemy are moving out. And the God who was not voted in and will not be voted out is taking over in the Northwest. And to his increase of the kingdom and his government, there is no end. We are in the business of overthrowing kingdoms of darkness and we will not give the enemy an inch until the Northwest is flooded with glory. Now we came to bury some things. Now there are some things that, that, that have to die in your promised land. No, there, there are some enemies of God that must be dispossessed in order for you to grow and enlarge. No, there are some giants that gotta come down. There are some things that have to be established. There are some rules and regulations that have to be implemented. Friend, when God gives you a land, it's for you to develop. He's prepared the place and now he gives you the strength, the gifting, the tools and the resources to build upon the land which he has given. Watch what God says. He says, do not bow down before their gods or worship them. Do not follow their practices. You must demolish them and break their sacred stones into pieces. You ought to worship the Lord your God for his blessing will be on your food and water. I'll take away sickness from among you and none will miscarry or be barren in your land and I will give you a full lifespan. I will send my terror ahead of you. I will throw into confusion every nation you encounter and I will make all your enemies turn their backs and run. Watch. The fight is always over your worship. Do not worship the gods of culture. Do not follow the practices of the ungodly. And friend, it is not enough to ignore them. You must break their sacred stones into pieces. This was so often the downfall of Israel. Even though they didn't worship the gods of their pagan neighbors, they allowed their deities to occupy high places in the land. Don't tell me property isn't spiritual. Don't tell me that the tolerance of darkness is the pathway towards preservation. My weapons are for the pulling down of strongholds, the dismantling of principalities and powers. And friend, this is our opportunity to make a dent in the Northwest for the kingdom of God. See, you serve a God who is jealous for the affection and the worship of his people, and he will not stop his pursuit of you until every high place is brought low, every low place is brought high, and he alone occupies the highest priority in your life. But then God gives some instruction. But I will not drive them out in a single year because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Instead, little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough, watch, to take possession of the land. Hear me, friend. How are you going to renew your mind? Little by little. How are you going to strengthen that marriage? Little by little. How are you going to stay sober, fight depression, grow that business, take the region? It is little by little. See, everyone wants an inheritance, but very few are willing to fight for it. 
We are in this for the long haul. It is one step at a time. It is one campus at a time. It is one city at a time. It is one family at a time. It doesn't seem like a lot now, but little by little, we are going to see the region transformed by Jesus Christ. And watch, a lifetime of little by little adds up to an entire promised land of blessing for the next generation if we will be faithful to keep doing little things in a big way. Oh, the widow just gave two mites, but it became a testimony for all generations. All Mary said was, let it be unto me according to your word. But now all generations have risen up to call her blessed. Oh, it was just a woman with an issue of blood, but she grabbed a hold of the hem of his garment and her life was transformed. It seemed little at the time. It seemed like a mustard seed you could easily overlook in the moment, but it became the necessary ingredient for God to do something more profound than you've ever realized, both in and through your life. Do you know why God God doesn't give you everything at once because he first works to increase your strength until you are prepared to take possession of the entire land. And in fact, this is the pattern of development in scripture. Watch first. It's the lion. Then it's the bear. And then it's Goliath. First it's Jerusalem. Then it's Judea. Then it's the uttermost parts of the earth. First it's 30-fold, then it's 60-fold, then it's 100-fold. Where does changing nations for the gospel start? With loving family in your own house first. Where does impacting the world for Jesus start? With praying in your prayer closet first. If we can't trust God with the little, how could God trust us with the much? No, I know your life might not feel significant, but friend, little by little, God is building something extraordinary through your journey. I know staying home and taking care of those kids might not feel significant, but friend, little by little, God is building something extraordinary through your life. I know serving in church and giving in this offering and serving in the parking lot and holding babies in the nursery, it may not feel significant, but little by little, you are contributing to the transformation of society by your faithful obedience to the process. And here's what I found. Some people want advancement without movement. They want everything to be perfect before they trust God to take the next step. They are so focused on balance that they forget that balance is the result of movement. Let me prove it to you. Look at this bike. You can't have balance until you got movement. And how does your movement start? It starts little by, by little. Now, I haven't ridden a bike in 20 years, but I do know this. If I were to try to achieve perfect balance before I ever had the faith to use the pedals, all it would look like is an exercise in foolishness. Every time I try to balance, I'm given to the left or, or, or to the right. It doesn't feel right. It's awkward. Seems like I'm always falling over, but so many Christians find themselves stuck in their Christological process because they're on the bike of faith, but they don't have the discipline to use the pedals. And can I tell you, friend, balance comes to your spiritual walk by virtue of movement. See, the righteous fall seven times, but they get back up. You learn to ride a bike first with the training wheels and then without them. And yes, you make mistakes and sure you fall and you dent a couple cars and you get some scrapes and bruises, but pretty soon 
what you find out is that the more I move, the more balance I've got. Now, I haven't ridden in about 20 years, but all of a sudden I can navigate just a little bit and all of a sudden I'm getting a little more confidence and, and here's the reality. My vision is to win the Tour de France, but it starts with pedaling around my neighborhood. See, my vision is to win that next cycling marathon, but, but it starts a little awkward and then, and then pretty soon you start building a little speed and you get a little confidence. And, and no, it didn't happen all at once, but little by little, God has given you the land. And I just feel like there ought to be somebody here today who would say, Pastor, I'm waiting to start until it feels significant. I'm waiting to start until I got all my ducks in a row. I'm waiting to start until I'm sober for two years. I'm waiting to start until my marriage is perfect. And what if I told you today that the secret to your spiritual success is not found in waiting to start, but having the courage to take little steps until balance comes to your life. I don't got balance now, but, but little by little, God is building something significant in and through my life. Now watch what happens here, I'm almost done. God says to the people, I will establish your borders from the Red Sea to the Mediterranean and from the desert to the Euphrates. I will give, you, give into your hands the people who live in the land and you will drive them out before, before you. Watch what God is saying, I will give them and you will drive them. The battle's won, it is finished, it's done. I'm giving it to you, but now it's your job to drive them out. <laughs> it reminds me of Gideon's army. The Lord sowed confusion into the enemy's camp and the result was victory for God's people. But there was still a part for them to play. They had to blow their trumpets. They had to smash their pitchers. They had to hold high their torches and they had to shout a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Has God secured your future? Absolutely, 100%, no question about it. But now it is your job, little by little, to drive them out. I want you to know, friend, today, if you're three days sober, not only am I proud of you, but God is proud of you, and little by little, freedom's gonna come to your life. I want you to know today, friend, if you finally made that appointment with a mental health counselor to get balance back to your life, I am proud of you, and God is proud of you, and little by little, you're gonna renew your mind. I want you to know here today, a uh, marriage that's in counseling, you feel like you're on the rocks, but you're hanging on to hope, it might not change overnight, but little by little, watch what God will do through your simple obedience. So many in the faith, they want to connect on a Hail Mary. Because you know what makes the highlight reels on ESPN? The Hail Marys. But can I tell you, victory is not built off of Hail Marys, but instead one yard at a time, two yards at a time, little by little by little, I'm gonna drive them out. No, God's given us a promise in the Northwest. Is it gonna happen overnight? No. Is it gonna be built on one personality? No. Is it all gonna happen at once? Certainly not. But if I'll be faithful to take a little step, God gonna give us the next one. And I'm gonna take another little step and God gonna give me the next one. And we're gonna raise $1,000 there and $2,000 there and little by little, we're gonna take the land. Friend, it is revival time in the Northwest 
and God has already set you up for success. So let's be faithful to do little things in a big way until His glory covers the region. How's pursuit gonna grow? Little by little. How's your marriage gonna grow? Little by little. How's your sobriety gonna grow? Little by little. How's your faith gonna grow? Little by little. How's your mind gonna get renewed? Little by little. How's your body gonna get healed? Little by little by little until a little turns into a lot. Come on, friend, let me pray for you this morning. Father, now in the mighty name of Jesus, we commit to a lifelong followership of who you are. Oh, you've made covenant with your people. It's not dependent on our performance, it's dependent on yours. But God, today we desire in this moment to recommit to the little by little mustard seed until the mountain is removed the little by little prayer until breakthrough is achieved, the little by little diligence until excellence is executed. God, today, if you will be our God, we will be your people. To the one who fights on our behalf, to the one who guards us on all sides, to the one who illuminates and makes straight our paths, be all glory, power, honor in the church, both now and forever. And in Jesus' name, come on, all God's people said amen and amen. Awesome. Hey, thanks so much for joining us for church. Come on, friend, if you're here today, you need prayer for that little by little. Why don't you come forward? Let's add our faith together to see God do a miracle in your life. If not, God bless. Hey, thanks so much for joining us for church. We'll see a lot of you tonight, 6 p.m. in Seattle. God bless. We'll see you real soon.